0: This is week six of guardrails, and we're going to wrap up this series. Um, it really is about avoiding regrets in your life. And can I tell you, um, I am so thankful that I put certain guardrails in my life as, as, as a young teenager, and even now as a, as a married man and a pastor. Um, these really do keep you on track, and they do save your life in many ways. So, um, here's here's kind of what we're, we've been talking about. So we we understand what a guardrail is when it comes to driving. We see them all around us. Well, a lot of times we don't see them because we're just unaware of them until you bump into them and they're like oh wow i'm really glad there's a guardrail there um but they're all around us all the time and when you pay attention you begin to see that uh they're there for for our, our protection uh, well here's a, here's the definition of an actual guardrail it's a system designed to keep vehicles from strain into dangerous or off-limit areas so that's that's the definition of what a guardrail is when you drive down the street we've kind of taken that and said what would this look like in in a in a in a in a a way to help us as as Christians, as people who are living walking as humans, like a principle that we can take from that when it comes to the Bible. Like, what are the spiritual ramifications? What, is, what are some principles we can use that would talk about guardrails in our lives to help us when it comes to Finances, when it comes to relationships. And so the definition we've been kind of working off of is this a guardrail that's not a car, but for us is a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. And here's what we said they have to be a personal matter of, of, of a standard of behavior that, that, that's tied to your conscience because it has to be something you decide and you choose. A big part of this also is something you can't put on others. Like uh, if it's your guardrail, that's your guardrail. We have to be careful that we don't start telling others like they should you know, have to do exactly what we do. Uh, because there are some things that we need to put that need to be really uh, secure and strong because um, we're more prone to certain things. And so it's a personal standard that we set for ourselves. The other part of reason has to be personal is because if I just give you a general list of guardrails you should have, those are just my ideas or whatever you find. But if they're not your thing, you'll never abide by them anyways. They'll just never be like they're really there. You'll, you'll break right through them because they're not yours. They're mine or they're, they're somebody else's. But if it becomes your personal thing, like I'm going to start doing this in my life, and you make that choice, it'll protect you. This should be a place where we hit up against and kind of something lights up and says, hey, there's danger here. You know, There's, there's something on the other side of this that's, 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 that should, that should um, scare us and we should be afraid of it. That could lead to something worse. So uh, last week, we've been going through these different messages, and um, Robert said something really great. He said, you can't see greed in the mirror, and he talked about finances, what what it's like to have guardrails when it comes to finances. Great message, Um, and and he said the key to breaking the power of greed in our lives is to give, uh, to save, and then to live. He talked about that. I've already heard some stories of people said, you know what, I'm going to try this out, and they're already seeing like, wow, this really brings a lot of good to my life, and, and something amazing begins to happen. So when it comes to finances, setting guardrails is really important because it keeps us on a, on a path that's going to help us get to really where we want to be anyways one day, you know, financially secure or free or free from debt, free from worries. And that's where, where we're kind of leading. And so uh, we break the power by, by doing that. So today we're part six, and this is the final, final part of it. I guess what I want to address for the last week is really uh, the pushback that I get from people um, when it comes to guardrails and standards in your life. A lot of people, you come and say, well, that sounds good. You know, that's a great for you. But for me, yeah, I really don't need that. Like, I'm, I'm above that. I'm bigger than I'm I, – I don't, I don't need it. It's not going to affect me. And so today I really want to talk about the pushback because here's the truth. When somebody pushes back against a standard of behavior that I would say, you know, in your life, I would recommend you put this in your life because it's going to protect you. The pushback usually is, well, that's nice for you, but that's going to keep me from something I really want. And that's kind of the point. This stuff is not necessarily – it's not like we're doing stuff just to ruin our lives. We're choosing something that has a tie to it, that's, that's, that's a, uh, a, a draw that we want. It's, it's a, a desire in us that wants to go into those, those ditches, off, the off, go into the, the off-roading and, and get off the, the path that, God, that really God wants us to be on. And the pushback is, but if I put a guardrail, that's going to stop all the fun. Um, that's going to take away my freedom because now I'm confined to this. But I believe the opposite is true. In fact, um, God is trying to keep you free not keep you from freedom because when you go into those those ditches and off the cliffs you're really not going to find freedom you're going to find addiction you're going to find a lot of issues that that follow that that's going to be with you for the rest of your life in some cases you'll find death you'll find uh, things that you can never recover from and so the point is you put guardrails because they're to protect us they're to guide us and direct our lives and so the pushback is well but then it's going to be my way if i really want to do something later that's the point. You, you, you determine not to so you don't ever go that way. So you don't go into that place that, and it keeps you away from, from danger and from um, – from, and, and the fact is if you remove guardrails and have no guardrails, that doesn't take away the temptation or the tension. There's always going to be temptation. There's always going to be that tension to try to do these things. Not having guardrails doesn't take that away. All it does is moves the battle line further, further to that danger zone because you, now you have nothing to stop you. So it's kind of like, oh, this will be easy to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and we begin to remove that. And it just makes the consequences much worse because now instead of bumping up to something saying, hey, warning, this is dangerous, we don't have that to warn us. We just go into it and do whatever we want to do. Let me give you, let me give you um, an example. And this is, well, let me go, before I give you the example, let me tell you why. Um, the reason is because when it comes to guardrails and, and desires and, and temptation and, and the tension that we have um, all the time with these choices – um, the truth is we have appetites, okay? We all have an appetite. Um, and our appetites are never fully or are finally satisfied. Like you cannot um, eat one last cake and you're done like that was the best cake in the world, I'm done now. No, It's like, I want another piece of really good cake, right? Um, the good meal that you had last night, you're not like you're not done eating the rest of your life, right? Your appetite is going to want more. They're never fully satisfied. This applies to all of our appetites. Okay? They're never fully satisfied. Whatever it is, if it comes to, to drinking, if it comes to, when it comes to sex, when it comes to um, enjoyment, things like that, we, we have an appetite. And they're never, they want more and it wants more. And here's the thing about appetites is, is uh, they're never satisfied. They always come back for more. But the more you feed an appetite, the stronger it gets. By feeding your, your desires and your appetites in your life, they don't go away. They actually get stronger and more difficult to deal with. You have like now you have the, the temptation and the tension is not just there, but it's even greater because you've never been able to say no to this. It makes saying no much harder. So when you have no guardrails, saying no is really difficult because your, your appetite is now really strong and you want that. You know, I I'm, I'm want that. And it can, it can become life controlling. Right, And that's the point of saying We need guardrails. Our appetites will grow when it comes to finances, when it comes to relationships, to alcohol, re- uh, recreational drugs, pornography. If we feed those things in our lives, more debt is going to lead to more debt. We feed those appetites of, of spending and overshopping, over overspending. It's going to lead to more. And so the, the idea is let's put some guardrails in place that would keep us from that and begin to deny the appetites in our lives that we know don't lead to anything good. So they can become weaker in our lives. The way you overcome that is you begin to cut it off. You starve that so it begins to fade away and eventually dies off in your life. I'll tell you a story. Um, I counseled a young couple a few years back. And it was one of my first, first couples I, I did a, the wedding ceremony for. Um, did a few, and then it was they were, they were there and, and I did this, this counseling well, through the counseling sessions um you have, you have to do so many weeks if i 'm going to perform your, your your wedding um and the ceremony and uh, they went through it all and in the middle of it, I kept getting these red flags like, oh man, this is not good' uh, they 're just not they 're not ready uh, but they had their Wedding invitation picked. They had um, the date set. They had family coming in from out of town. All, all that, yada yada. Okay, it's just a lot of pressure on them. They're 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 doing this, and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think they're ready for this. Uh, I've kind of pushed my good sense off to the side and says, Well, i already committed. Uh, they're going to do it either way, if I do it or not. And so I end up going through it. And about eight months later, I get a phone call saying we need some marriage counseling. Uh, they come and meet with me, and and, and um, uh, they start being to share all this stuff that uh, really that that they're going through and they're struggling with. I talked to the young man, and I'm saying, um, so where is this going to lead to in your life? And uh, they began to share, you know, they they're parting a lot. They, they begin to invite other individuals into their marriage, if that makes sense. Like they're, um, they're going outside of their covenant together. Um, they were willingly doing this. So adultery, um, pornography, all this stuff was just kind of accumulating. They were just allowing in. Um, and, and I said, well, where do you think this is, this is heading? And, and I remember the guy says, well, it's just heading it's, – it's, it's fun. I want, we want to keep doing because it it's fun. I said, but you're in here for a reason. You're struggling. You want to fix this. Well, yeah, we want a temporary fix, but we really don't want to change anything. Um, is what they really were saying. And so I said, let me, let me paint the picture for you. right? This is where you're heading. This is where you're going. You're not going to be married in a few months if you keep going this direction. It's, it's not going to be good. And I, and I said, if you don't change this lifestyle, um, pretty soon it's going to be you, know, you might get caught with possession. And then eventually it's going to be a DWI. Um, and if you don't learn at that point, it's not going to just be DWI, but it's going to be a DWI maybe taking somebody's life in the process because you're not really in control because you're out of control. Um, and really that's what he says. Well, he said, well, but didn't Solomon in the Bible, didn't he experience experiment with all this stuff? And I said, yeah. You know, he said he, he's known to be the wise man, you know, but he said he gave himself to everything to try everything so he could learn. Um, and he said it was worthless and it wasn't don't go down that path. In fact, he said that path is foolish. And I said, yeah, he did. And, and at the end of his life, he said, don't do that because he woke up and said that's a foolish way to live. I told him this, and he says, "Well, I just want to experience it." What he was saying is, "Don't give me guardrails because that's going to take away all my fun. I like this stuff; it's fun. I don't like the consequences. Please help me with this. Let me, let me like, you know, can you fix this? Can you help us have a better marriage?" I'm like, "Without these, your marriage is not going to be healthy. It's not going to be good." Amen. They didn't last. Um, after that, I, I made a, I made a promise myself. I said, "If I ever have red flags in counseling, I will not go through with it. I'll counsel them, but I will not perform the ceremony. I don't want to be part of that if I see it." Uh, Out of all the couples I've counseled, um, there's people I told them they're not ready. They need to wait because they didn't have strong enough guardrails in their life. And I knew if you don't have these, then you're never going to end up where you really want to end up. You're going to find yourself in all these different places. But the pushback was, well, but that's going to keep me from fun. That's taking away my freedom. The truth is he lost everything and, sure enough, um, got arrested for DWI, Um, just horrible. And my heart breaks for him uh, because I I tried, tried really hard to make him see, like, this is not a good path. Please get off of it. Um, But he wanted the fun, so he didn't have the guardrails. And all that did is pushed it closer to the edges, and he did it. When it comes to life, as a pastor, my heart is to help people succeed. And this whole series is about saying, what is the end destination that you want? What are those, those goals that you have when it comes to marriage, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your occupation, when it comes to all of these things? What is that goal that you're really trying to get to? And then let's put some things in place that will help you get there. That's the point of what, what the Bible's trying to help us, saying, hey, there's this, this path that God wants to lead you on. But there's this temptation to always veer off and go these other directions. What can you put in place that would keep you from that? And that's the point of these guardrails. I want to tell you a story in the Bible about a man, um, an incredible story. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament uh, about this man named Daniel um, in, in 605 um, – uh, B.C., this is before Christ, 605 years before Christ, um, the, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he came and they, and they conquered Jerusalem and, and Israel. And they took back these captives um, as, as slaves and as, as prisoners to their, their, to their homeland, to, to Babylon. And um, what they did is, is – is this guy was pretty brilliant. This king, Nebuchadnezzar, he wouldn't destroy everybody. He would, he would go in and, you know, make enough – Cause enough to them to submit and to, to begin part of his kingdom, but he would take the, the smartest and the brightest, the nobles, you know, the typically the people that ate well, that had a lot of education, he would take that, those, the smartest young people with him back to his kingdom. And he would put them in this three-year training course. Okay. Doctorate school. I don't know what you call it. And they're already smart because I mean, they're, they're part of these really intelligent people of, of their countries. And he'd bring them all to to Babylon, and he'd begin to indoctrinate them and and reorient them and almost reprogram them to think in the Babylonian culture and get their cultures out so that that Babylon culture can continue to go forward. And so for three years, they would get in this program. Well, there's these these four young men. It says there there was a lot of men that that they took some from, from Jerusalem, from Israel. But there's these four uh, Daniel, um, and then we know the other three as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they had a Hebrew name, and they renamed their names. In fact, Daniel, they called him Belshazzar, uh, which was a name after one of the gods of Babylonia, and they changed their names to like these pagan gods, like to, to honor the gods. And so they even, they even took away their name, their, their Hebrew name, and gave them a, a, a Babylonian name. Um, you know, they changed their clothes, changed everything they did. Well, in this story, it's right in the beginning, in the first chapter um it says that the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table this is daniel 1 verse 5 they were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service and they'd have evaluation and find out where they can place them in the kingdom where they would fit the best and so a brilliant 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 king who would, who would pick the best and the brightest and the most beautiful around around the different kingdoms and, and and put them into his kingdom he said they were given the best food can you imagine as a young teenager you're taken away from your hometown you're going to you're thinking, I'm going to be a slave. This is going to be the worst thing in the world. And you get there, and they say, oh, by the way, you're going to eat the king's food, and we're going to give you training. You thought you were smart, or well, we're going to take it to another level. We're going to give you free education for three years. Aren't, isn't this great? You'd be as young person like, wow, I hit like the jackpot. I'm not like going to get more education. i get to eat the best of the best food in the, in, in, the, in the country, like the king's food. You get that, right? And so the young people are getting this. Um, and, and so in the middle of this, Daniel 1.5, it says that they're, they're going to be trained. Uh, but it goes on to say this, but Daniel... Verse one eight but Daniel um, so, so there's something different about Daniel um, he when it says but Daniel the story kind of takes a shift like here's the direction that the king is wanting to go here's here's where he's trying to lead them and it says but Daniel he kind of he, he made a decision uh, see see I, I believe Daniel saw the end the end game for that for that the trajectory that that, that the king was trying to lead them he, he saw that, okay, he's gonna take away my culture. He's already changed my name, he's changed my clothes. Now I have to eat food that, that is gonna be food that I, I really for many reasons we'll talk about that in a second. He's I gotta eat their food from their table. I gotta I gotta learn and they're gonna take away my culture and give me this new culture and I'm gonna start worshiping what he believed are false, false gods and false idols. And he says, But Daniel, he saw where that was leading. And it says that he he, he began to to do something. Alright? He I said, I, I, I need to um it's going to be a slow fade. They're going to slowly strip me of all these things. And before I know it, I'm going to become just like them and I'll be worshiping their gods and I'll be talking like them and I'll lose all of what God has for me. And so, but Daniel stopped. Here's the thing when it comes to compromise, Daniel knew he couldn't compromise and compromise. It doesn't remove the tension. It doesn't remove temptation. When you compromise, it only weakens our resolve. It only keeps us from being able to do the right thing. Because when we give in to temptation or into the tension that, we, that surrounds us, it doesn't make us stronger. It doesn't eliminate it. It only weakens our resolve to do the right thing. Like we be, it becomes harder. So when you cheat once, it becomes easy to cheat the second time. When you take on a little bit debt, more debt follows it, right? Because it weakens your resolve to say no. It, stops, it, 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 it inhibits your ability to say no, that's not good and healthy because it begins to take on. So it adds up more compound. So Daniel knew where this was going. And I believe he said, if I give in, man, I'm going to wake up one day and be far away from where God has me and over in some other thing. So it goes on to say this, but Daniel resolved. To resolve something means to firmly determine to do something. He firmly determined to do something. In in another translation, it says that he made up his mind. Daniel made up his mind. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Daniel resolved, he made up his mind and says, I am not going to do that. I'm not going to go that path. I'm going to honor God. I'm, I'm going to continue to follow him. I don't know if you can imagine this. You're, you're some teenage kid, all right? All the best food presented in front of you, all the other, all their other um, practices and, and culture is there in front of you for to become part of it. Uh, it would be really easy to just fit in with the crowd, right? I can imagine a teenage boy thinking, man, it would be easy just to go with the flow. Like, the best of the best, and I can just give in. But there was something there. And this is what they probably believed. The reason he didn't want to defile himself is because a couple of things. The the food that they were eating could have been offered to the to false gods, all right, to, uh, to Marduk and, and to Baal. And, and they would have been in, in, these, in these offerings where they offer them. And, and so it's, it's, he'd be like eating food that's offered to a god that he doesn't knows doesn't exist. That's not the real god. And so that's part of it. The other part, it could be on kosher. The Mosaic Law told them they could eat certain foods and they couldn't eat other foods. So by eating some of the unkosher food, he would actually be breaking God's commandments. He decided, I'm not going to go down that road. And, and 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 he goes forward and asks, asks the, uh, the, the the people who are overseeing him. He says, um, Will you give me just just vegetables and water? And him and his his other three friends, the four of them. And he said, and the guy's like, No way! You don't eat the good food. The king's going to be upset because you're not going to be as healthy as these guys, and it's not going to be good. I'll, I'll lose my life. And so the guy, he says, no, just let's try it for 10 days and let's come back and see it. Let's see what happens. But so it says, but Daniel resolved. And in, in the next verse, what, what I love about this is it says he made up his mind. It says, now God. Go ahead, next one for me. Daniel, but Daniel resolved. Um, and and here's the truth that, that I want to carry forward is, is God will never use our life beyond what we're willing or determined to go. Where we're willing or determined to go. God is not going to force you to be somebody that that you don't, choose not that you choose not to be. He's not going to force you to be something you don't want to be. He's not going to force you to go somewhere that you don't want to go. God gives us free will and he'll only use us as, as far as our ability to go in that direction. And because Daniel made a decision, God then said, all right, now I can do something with this. See, this, this principle is that the extraordinary or the miraculous, they don't just happen. Miracles don't just show up all of a sudden out of nowhere. There's something tied to it. Usually it's someone that's tied to it. It's somebody that's saying, all right, I'm willing to follow God in this. The results, somebody willing to say, God, I'm going to follow your way because our yes to God is always attached to a lot of no's to other things. When we say yes to God and and following him, we begin to say no to these other things that are going to keep us far from God. They're going to take us off to the sides. So our yes, it comes with a no that says, okay, I can start saying no to these other things because I said yes to this. Um, my relationship with my son, I say, I want to have a healthy, so I say yes to this. That means at this stage of my life, I have to say no to certain things. I can't do all the things I want to do. I can't go play golf every single day, right? Cause that would be, it would be competition. Not that golf is bad, but this stage, if I only played golf and didn't spend time with my son, I wouldn't get to the destination I want. So my yes to my son is actually a no to other things that aren't necessarily bad. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're just, they're just, they're just a later season, but he wants us to follow him. We're saying no to distractions, no to detours, no to ditches, no to selfishness. So our choice to place guardrails in our lives, it pushes the potential for distraction and destruction further away. When I put guardrails in my life, I'm actually saying no to those disasters because I'm saying I'll not even go in that direction. I'm going to stay away from it. Every miracle, every significant event in the Bible, I would say even in, in, in history and life, every successful story, it's always tied to a person, to somebody who's willing to say yes. And in this case, it's it's Daniel. But Daniel made up his mind. Daniel resolved in his heart. He determined, right? And then one of the following verses after this is it says, now God. So you have, but Daniel, and then you have now God. See, Daniel's decision to to make up his mind allowed God now to step in and do something amazing. See, we forget, sometimes we forget the God factor in our lives. We think, well, that's going to take away my fun. But as soon as we make a decision to do it, now God begins to do something that we can't even see and understand. And he uses that very decision to do it. I find in life, when I'm – I remember as a kid, and I think I was in the second grade. I remember going to a class. It was a drug class, and they talked about smoking. And they said, just say no to, 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 to smoking, and, and we, they walked this whole thing. And as a kid, I remember saying and some of the reasons that you know for, for athletes, and they gave all those reasons – and I remember as a second grader, I made the decision that I would say no whenever I, was, whenever I was given the opportunity to smoke. And when the opportunity came, because I already decided to not smoke, when it came, it was really easy because I already told myself, I already said no to that a long time ago. Why would I say yes? And it was easy to push that away. So in our lives, when we make a decision, when it does come it's a lot easier to be able to say no to those things. But if we're waiting for the temptation, the tension to be there to make a decision, it's going to be really easy to give in to those things. If you're standing at the counter and you're about to buy a dress and you haven't told yourself to put guardrails and you can't spend a certain amount, the emotion of like, I'm going to look so good in that dress, I need it, is going to overtake you and you're going to buy it because the tension is going to be too great. Right? Right, women? Come on. Get quiet. <laughs> Just kidding. The temptation, you don't wait for that. You, make, you, you pre, pre, pre-decide, what you're going to do and then god uses that decision and begins to do something amazing in our lives and this is what it says because daniel made up his mind but daniel resolved it says now god had caused the official to show favor and compassion to daniel so in the middle of daniel being in this teenager in the in his foreign can you imagine him telling the, pretty much the king like i'm not gonna eat your food it's not good enough for me the king's like who do you think you are little teenage boy right i'm gonna kill you he stepped up, and because he was willing to say, I'm going to do what's right, it says God now caused people to have favor on him. Daniel's decision to do what was right was the very thing that allowed God to begin to move in his life. And the story of Daniel is amazing. Go read the book of Daniel. There's story after story where God begins to show up, and God shows himself to this pagan king that's far from him and begins to over and over tell him that, that he is the real God. Like in, in cool miracles and cool stories where it's like, okay, your God really is the God. And the king would say that over and over, and God would use it. But it's because now Daniel resolved, and then now God, He caused the official. God acted. God did it after the decision. So for ten days they get this food, and they come back, and they test them, um, and it says that uh, they were they were they were healthier and smarter than the rest of them. Like they they were able to continue on that 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 um, course of, of doing what, what they were asking of the king because they had favor. Man, God caused the official to show favor and compassion. How many of you guys need some favor and compassion in your life, all right? I need it. In fact, I have it where I go because I'm saying I'm going to follow these. Um, I'm going to put these guards in my life to keep me moving forward. And then God begins to bless and to use us. So Daniel 117, the story continues. It says, to these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. You might say, well, man, I wish God would give me stuff like that. Well, maybe you can begin to start making the decisions like Daniel. He'll begin to do some stuff like that. Because you're saying yes to God, he's saying, I can I can give more to you now. I can trust you. God is going to use the decisions we make to guide and direct our lives. The decisions you make, that's how God uses to direct. So guardrails that we put on our lives, standards of behavior uh, that are tied to our conscience, actually help us stay on track. They keep us healthy, they help us to move forward. When we don't put guardrails, what hangs in the balance? That young that young couple, a young man that I counseled years ago, man. A healthy marriage hung in the balance because he chose to do what felt good and what he wanted rather than what he should have. His marriage was hanging in the balance, and he lost it. His future, you know, because of the path he was on, if he, I hope he changed, but if he didn't, it's going to make it really difficult to work. It's going to cause all these extra things that you don't need in life. But he was choosing to walk down that path. What hangs in the balance for you? Having God not having God Or should I say who hangs in the balance? Your family, the ones that come after you. Right? That's what we begin to think. Our decisions they just don't affect me, they affect everybody around us. Make up your mind. That's as far Daniel, this is as far as I'll go. You can change my name, you can change my clothes, but I'm gonna put I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. And throughout the book of Daniel, this is what happened. They would draw a line in the sand, and the king would get upset and he would come and God would show up. Because they drew a line in the sand and said, I'm not gonna go any further than that. And even if I die, I'm still gonna serve God to my last breath. And God honored that. He gave him favor and he helped him. It goes on and continues on, it says, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they entered the king's service. It all started with a decision to draw a line in the sand, to make up your mind, even before they knew the end of the story. See, Daniel's book, the book of Daniel wasn't written uh, because Daniel knew how the story was going to end. It's written because he made a decision even before he knew how the story was going to end. The, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taking a stand against the king and not worshiping. They made that before they knew the outcome. They didn't know God was going to show up. In fact, they even said, King, even if we die in the furnace, like we're going to be put in this fiery furnace, this, this, you know, if we die, we're still going to die serving God. They made the decision no matter what to do the right thing, and God showed up. Here's the turning point of the whole series, all right? And this could be a turning point for your life, really. The turning point, it's on this next slide. Don't show it yet, but it's on the next slide. No, no, go back. You showed it. All right. Turning point, this could be this could be in your life something significant if you allow it, all right? When, when I go to, I actually want you to read it out loud. I want you to think about uh, how this could affect your life. I mean, it could really change your life. I remember my, in my story, I was 14 years old. I'd been going to church my whole life, okay? So there's part of me where I knew how to live in the church world. I knew how to live in, in, in the school world. Those are my two worlds I lived in. Sometimes they would overlap, sometimes they would clash, and they would be different. But usually I kept them separate, nobody really knew who I was here and here, because it was kind of easy, because they were separated. But there was a point in my life, at 14 years old, I said, okay, I've got to choose one of these two, because I'm, I'm, I'm not being true to either of them. And I made a decision as a 14-year-old, I said, God, I will follow you. Like Daniel, I determined in my heart, I made up my mind, and I said, this is the path I'm going to go. Whatever it costs me, I'm going to follow you. And that very decision that I made changed the whole trajectory of my life. I lost a lot of good things, like good friends, um, which actually turned out to be not so good friends in some, many ways. Some of them, they were good friends, but some weren't. Um, but but my whole my whole life changed because I made a decision. So on this next slide, as, as I go to it, okay, you can go to it now. Read, read this out loud for me. Yeah, that's what I think, moim. That's like weird, right? Moim, I want you to kind of see something maybe that's you're like trying to figure out, like what does this mean? Make up your mind. Make up your mind. If you want to know what the turning point in your life is, it's when you finally make up your mind to do something or not to do something. As long as you say, I'm I'm not going to say anything here because one day I might want to go there. You haven't made up your mind. You're not determined. Or you have made up your mind and you're going to end up there anyways. If you learn to make up your mind and say, this is the destination I want, this is the destination I want to get to, I'm going to make up my mind. Everything changes. You want to have better finances? Make up your mind to have better finances and then find out, God, how can I apply your principles to get there? You want to have a better marriage? Make up your mind and then get there. You want to have better relationships? Make up your mind to say no to those relationships that are dragging you down, that are hurting. Make up your mind. The turning point in our life is when we determine in our hearts, and our lives, to say no to those things that we know. The, the guy I spoke with, he knew where it was going to end, but he wanted it anyways. He made up his mind, the wrong, the wrong mind, but he got what, what he was going to get because it leads there. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. The integrity of the upright guides them, Proverbs says, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them. So doing the right thing, the integrity, the person that does the right thing, right? Um, and for those who are trying to do the right thing, this is what's going to be the very thing that guides them. Because the right thing is saying no to things that we know will bring destruction in our lives. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. The very choice that we make will be the things that direct our lives. Use your guardrails, and they'll be used by, as you begin to put guards in place, they'll be used by God to direct your life, to protect your life, and to help you. Because here's the truth. The greatest thing you can do for yourself, the greatest thing you can do for your kids, for your spouse, for your family, for others, is to establish strong guardrails in your life. Strong, establishing strong rails in your life says, I care enough about my life that you can trust me with your life. I care enough about my marriage that you could trust me to give you counsel for your marriage because I'm putting guardrails in my life. When somebody doesn't have guardrails, they don't care about their life. We said in the second week, right? They're not going to care about your life. The greatest thing you can do for your future is establish guardrails. And here's the point of it. We can avoid a lot of regret because if I asked you, what are the regrets in your life? You would say, well, I didn't put guardrails and I went down that path that I knew I shouldn't have because God says with every temptation, he gives us a way out. Every single temptation you have, there's always a way out. Like he will... On that path to that, that temptation, he's going to distract you. He's going to call to your attention something different. If you ignore it and keep going, you'll, have the, you'll, you'll reap the consequences. But he says he never gives us anything that we can't overcome or we can't say no to. It's just a choice that we make. So establishing strong guardrails in our lives, they'll help guide and protect our lives. They'll free us from regrets, right? I mean, if you ask people, I talk about these series. If you're a young person, you ask some older people, they'd say, yeah, do that. When it comes to finances, man, don't go down that path. It's not good. And a lot of us know that. Well, the, the reverse is true. If we put guardrails, we can avoid a lot of regrets in the future. How many of you guys want some regrets next year, right? You want to be able to make that? The way you don't is you make up your mind not to have regrets. If you put guardrails in place. Future regrets can be avoided. Here's the truth no one ever regrets a guardrail. Nobody ever regrets a guardrail. So, M U Y M, make up your mind. That's what guardrails is about, saying how can we protect. How can we do that? So here's our challenge, to make up your mind, to resolve in your heart, to resolve in your mind, to resolve in your life, determine what you're going to do, make a choice, make a decision to say, this is the direction I'm going. You know, one of the things about the growth that we we do every week is we challenge you with something, and make up your mind to be here as as often as you can, every single week if possible. Or if if you're not, maybe you're out of town, you're coming here, find a church you can be a part of that you can learn and grow. And then here's the challenge is create personal standards of behavior that can be followed by now. God. This week, your decisions you make, they can be followed by now God or now stupid, right? Because he chose a stupid way, he got a stupid result. Or it could be followed by, wow, Eric, he made the decision, now God can show up. He can show up in your life. If you're willing to say, I'm going to put guardrails, and they're not easy to put. There's going to be times that we bump into things and we have to say, man, that's not comfortable, people don't understand, but this is the guardrail I'm putting in my life because I want something better. Make up your mind. Avoid regrets. What, what personal standards can you create that will be followed by now, God? See, Daniel, it says he, he, he resolved, he determined how far he was going to go. And when he made that determination, God said, now I'll show up and give you favor. Now I'm going to lead your life. The very choice you make today will determine where you end up, good or bad. So what's the choice you want to make? So here's the beauty of, of all that we do at the Grove is um, the Bible says that all of us, we're all sinners. We all have got off track. We've all messed up. Every single one of us. None of us is perfect. In fact, everybody's welcome to the Grove because we all know that we're broken and we're all we're all um, bent in different ways that, that that God wants to fix. And God accepts us all. He wants, he wants us to turn our hearts back to God. But the Bible says all of us have messed up. We've all gone our own way and it's led to, to something that God doesn't have for us, sin. He doesn't want that. It's not, it's not God's best. Every single one of us has. But the beauty of the scripture that says, now God, he showed up in the middle of all this and said, I'm going to give you a better way. What I love about the Bible. Is he gives a story after story of people saying, all right, I'm going to do it God's way. And then as they, as he, as they begin to follow him, their, their life are, are miracles. There's things that come around them where they help others. It, makes it, it takes us to make a choice saying, all right, God, I'm going to turn my heart. I'm going to do something different. Can I tell you today that there's good news? That whatever you face in your past, today can be a new day. It could be a new start. You've come in this place and maybe you have regrets and you're saying, I want to avoid more regrets in the future. Well, like Daniel, you could say, today I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to follow God. Today I'm going to make up my mind and go his direction and his way. I'm um, You begin to say no to these things that, that bring me down. No to these things that, that take my attention, that lead to destruction. See, sin in the Bible is missing the best that God has for you. It's, just, it's doing stuff that God is saying, that's not the best path. There's a better path this way. Don't go that way. That's going to be a ditch. That's going to be a cliff. Don't go that way. Here's a good one. It's going to lead you to where you really want to go. And so today, I want to be able to invite you into this, into this journey. Today, I want to encourage you to make up your mind and say, today, I want to follow you. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're new to church. This is a new experience. See, God said, said he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross. He loved us so much to give us a way back to him. Because sin and bad choices separate us from God. Do me a favor, if you're here today, would you bow your heads and close your eyes and wrap up the service? As I'm talking about this and and you're here and you know that you need to change your life, that you need to make up your mind, that you need to go in a different direction, I would love to lead you in a prayer. Just a simple prayer. Just saying, God, I invite you into my life. Forgive me for the path that I've chose, for, for the sin in my life that I've done. The Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, he, he's just, he forgives us. So if you're here today and you need a new path, you need a new start, you want to invite God to be your Lord, you want to make up your mind and begin to go his direction, would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front, just want to lead you into prayer. Awesome. Awesome. When I was 14 years old, I made that decision. It's the greatest decision of my life. I don't regret it. Because it saved me a lot of destruction, a lot of pain. It wasn't necessarily easy, but it was the great decision. And in the middle of this, God wants to help you walk down that path. Anybody else? I need a new direction in my life. I make up my mind. Come on, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. The rest of us, if you've said this prayer before, would you just join us to encourage those that raise their hand? Um, so, you that raise your hand, would you pray this with me? Say, Father God, today I make up my mind. It'll be a new start. It is a new day. I invite you into my life. I need your help. Forgive me my sin. Forgive me my past, my mistakes. Help me to be a new person. Help me to think like you. Help me to see the world like you see it. I believe you died on that cross for me. And today I declare that you are God over my life. Come and lead me. Help me. Help me to change direction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those, those lives today that said they want a new direction? That's so awesome.